Isn't that fun? We are accepting applications to help in the nursery. As you can see, we need it. Um, we've dedicated something like 16 babies this weekend at Union Chapel. So give them another big round of applause. Love you guys. <clears throat> Welcome to Mother's Day at Union Chapel. My name is Jeff Hughes, if we have not had a chance to meet. And I just want to say a special thank you again to those of you who helped with Community Service Day. It was a phenomenal day. The weather cooperated very nicely, and we had a great turnout of people who blessed folks uh, downtown Muncie. It was great. Uh, I was on a team with uh, Pastor Greg and his wife Beth and several others, and we helped clean up a yard and do some work there for a lady who will turn 89 tomorrow, has no living family in the area. Uh, She moved here to Muncie from Frankfurt, Germany in 1951. And so she's got a story. Uh, I, I thought, man, I want to learn this woman's story. And so I walked up to her and we started talking. And I realized as loud as I could get, and I can get pretty loud, she couldn't hear me. What? So she gave me a dry erase board. And we communicated through dry erase board a little bit. And it was a phenomenal thing. She said, you know, I told her Jesus loves her. That's why we're here. We're believers. And she said that her faith is in Christ. And thank you for coming and serving her. That there's not a lot of people who do this. And thank you. And wouldn't you know that with German as her native tongue, uh, and not mine at all, out of the six people on that team, we had a Taylor University student who knows German. And so he came over and on the dry erase board was writing in German and she was writing back in German to him and they had a a dialogue that way. What are the odds of that? I mean, God was in that and and that happened in house after house after house all day yesterday. And so I know that God was at work and that's why we go out and do things in our community because it makes a difference and lives are changed. So thanks again to everyone who participated in that. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. I also want to say a huge thanks and gratitude to my wife, Hannah Hughes, who uh, just had our second child. We got some pictures up on the screen for you. This is Dakota, our five-and-a-half-year-old, and and Lily, our 25-day-old, 25 days. She's still got the the fresh baby smell, other smells as well, but we won't talk about that. Uh, You know, typically in a crowd like this, it's the folks sitting out here listening to the pastor speak who have a hard time keeping their eyes open and staying awake. And today the tables are turned. And so if I find myself nodding off and just drift over and lay down up here or whatever, uh, just consider that your early Mother's Day gift and just go ahead and exit quietly. If you would, just not make too much noise on your way out. That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, Well, I came across a story this week of a minor league baseball player who I really related with because his wife had just had a newborn recently, and they were in a very similar situation. And the, the time came for this baby to be changed, to need a new diaper, which happens often. The mom says to the minor league baseball player, uh, son, uh, our son needs change. He says, I don't know how. All right, now not a real wise statement there, but a couple of hours later, after she had let him off the hook, the situation arose again, and she asked the husband to change the baby. Then he responded, all I know is baseball. I don't do diapers. Woo. So the young mother thought about taking a baseball bat to his head, and that would be in the way that he would learn about baseball and diapers connecting. But uh, sure enough, the time came to change that baby again in just a little while. She made the same request. However, this time, uh, his response was the same, and she had a reply for him. She said this, changing a baby is much like playing baseball, she said. 
you lay the diaper out like a baseball diamond. You place the baby on the middle of the diaper. This right here is the pitcher's mound. You take first base, you connect that strap over to third base. You take the third base strap, you connect that over to first base. You take second base, you slide that right into home play, and the baby is changed. And in the case of rain, the game is not called. You just start all over again, right? <laughs> been there, been there. On a serious note, moms, today is your day. And we're so thankful for you. Uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to you, and we would not be who we are uh, without your influence in our lives. I found that moms have a unique wisdom that helps their children grow. And maybe you've heard your mom say some of these things, or maybe if you are a mother in the room, you've uttered these words at some point. Maybe some of these will sound familiar. Uh, how about this? I, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Yeah. How about this? Keep it up, and I'll give you something worth crying about. Yeah, you've heard that one. This one usually comes with a finger wag. No means no. Yeah, you've heard that one. What about this? If Johnny jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge too? Right. And this last one, don't make me have to come up there. Ooh. If you hear that one, it's game over, right? It's game over. Well, the influence of a mother is far-reaching. Abraham Lincoln said this about moms. He said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. Isn't that true? No man is poor who has a godly mother. What about this from Ronald Reagan? No nation is ever greater than its mothers. No nation is ever greater than our mothers. I love the Jewish rabbi proverb that said, God cannot be everywhere at once. That's why he created moms. <laughs> That's true. Mothers have a special place in our society. They set the tone for the home in, in many, many ways. And as you've probably heard, and, and don't, if you don't know, you'll learn this very quickly. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Nobody. The Bible holds the role of mothers in high esteem. Mothers like Sarah and Rachel and Elizabeth and Ruth and Mary, they, they all made sacrifices so God could use their children in mighty ways. I mean, think about the stories of those biblical characters. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to make your way to 1 Samuel chapter 1. You may read on your mobile device, on the YouVersion Bible app. We'll also have the words on the screen. So if you will, make your way there and then stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to look at the story of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. There was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. Now, someone with very little sleep should never be asked to read that verse. <laughs> he had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year, and whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, now side note here. Leave it to a man to say something stupid about himself in a moment like this, right? Yeah, apparently it happened back then as well. 
Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was on his chair by the doorposts of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And verse 11, key in here. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. May God open our hearts to hear his word today. You may be seated. One day, a man was walking through a grocery store when he, when he noticed a young mother who was shopping with her two-year-old in the cart. You can imagine this scene. Maybe it's happened to you even recently. As they went past the cookie aisle, the child looked up to the mo mother and said, Cookie! Cookie! When the mother told her no, the child began to cry. The mother patiently said, Now, Mary, we're halfway done. It won't be long now. Just hold on. The same thing happened in the candy aisle, only this time the tantrum was even worse. The mother, she was a picture of calm. She said, There, there, Mary, only two more aisles and then we'll be finished. Finally, they got to the checkout aisle, and you know the, the Snickers candy bars and the packs of gum there. The child reached out and grabbed a pack of gum, and this time when her mother told her no, party was over. The child was screaming at the top of her lungs and still using her best calm voice. The mother said, we'll be through this line in just a few minutes, and then it'll be time for Mary to take a nice little nap. Well, the man observing this was, was just amazed at the mother's composure. He followed them out to the parking lot to compliment them and with a great smile said, Ma'am, I, I couldn't help but noticing how patient you were with little Mary. The mother looked surprised and smiled and said, Thank you, but my little girl's name is Jill. My name is Mary. <laughs> Motherhood is one of the only jobs in the world where talking to yourself is not only perfectly acceptable, it is expected. We, we see this in 1 Samuel where Hannah was accused of talking to herself. As a matter of fact, she talked to herself even before her baby was conceived. Hannah longed for a son so much that she fasted and prayed in the tabernacle. And Eli, the high priest at the time, overheard her in the tabernacle. She was struggling through a, a half-silent kind of mumbling prayer and Eli mistakenly thought that she was drunk over in the corner of the tabernacle talking to herself. And even though mothers do talk to themselves on a regular basis, and that's perfectly acceptable, Hannah was not. She was praying. She was pouring out her heart to God. She was talking to God and asking him to provide for her a son. Now, while she asked God for a son, she also promised him to the Lord, saying, I will dedicate him to the Lord's service if I'm given a son. And apparently, God heard her because he answered her prayer. And she was faithful to fulfill her part of the promise as well. In fact, while her son Samuel was just a boy, she took him to see Eli the priest. The scriptures go on and say, as soon as, Eli, as, as Samuel was weaned, she took him to Eli to live there to study under his teaching. Today I want us to look at three things that Hannah did that helped her child be used by God. In this message I'm calling the mother used by God. But before you discredit the title of this and this Mother's Day sermon, I want you to know that these points apply to every single one of us. Mothers, grandmothers, dads, aunts, uncles, cousins. The words you're going to hear 
are applicable to every single one of us. They can be implemented in every family and they can make a difference. If you've got your outline in your bulletin, I encourage you to pull it out and grab a pen. The first thing Hannah did is she prayed. A mother used by God prays for her child. Now, Hannah was a woman of great faith. First Samuel goes on and tells us the story of Hannah's dilemma. We know that she's married to this man named Elkanah, and every year he would go up and make these sacrifices. They would go together, and though Elkanah was faithful to offer sacrifices to the Lord, he, his faithfulness to Hannah was shared with another woman, his second wife, Peninnah. And the Bible tells us that Peninnah had, had several children and that Hannah, of course, was childless. That's why she was praying here. Now, in the Israelite culture, childlessness was seen as a curse. They would look to a childless woman and think that something was wrong. And, of course, we, don't, we know that that's not the truth today. Though Elkanah loved Hannah, Hannah herself was, was deeply troubled by this situation. She had never known the thrill of announcing pregnancy and of course, now today, we know that's even a bigger thing. We've got pregnancy reveals on Facebook and Instagram. We've got gender reveals where they open the box and the, the balloons fly up. They're either pink for a girl, they're blue uh, for a boy, or you've got pink and blue and dad faints and says we're having twins, right? But Hannah had never experienced this joy Surely she had probably held a baby in her arms, but it was never a baby from her own womb. To make matters worse, Peninnah, this second wife, would taunt her, would make fun of her. And every day, Hannah would see Peninnah's family and be reminded of her sorrow. We don't know how long Hannah went through this situation where she suffered in this matter, but the Bible says that it was a matter of years, so it wasn't a brief time by any means. And in 1 Samuel, verse 10, we see something very powerful. In fact, it's a glimpse into Hannah's soul, if you will. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Now, I want you to note her spirit. Though she was childless, she was not bitter. Though she was childless, she did not criticize her husband. Though Peninnah taunted her, Hannah remained a symbol of restraint. While her situation seemed hopeless, Hannah turned to the one who could provide hope for her. She turned to the Lord. Now maybe today your situation is very similar to that of Hannah's. Perhaps you're in a situation that lines up perfectly with hers. But maybe you're gathered in this place today in the area of your life where you feel hopeless and helpless is very opposite to this story that we're reading today. I want you to know that no matter how you walked into this place today, no matter what's on your heart, that God wants to give you something today. And regardless of the need in your life this Mother's Day 2017, my prayer is that you will look to Jesus and that hope will be conceived in your soul today. That you will move from a place of anguish and sorrow to a place of joy and strength. That today, hope, Joy and strength will take up residence inside you as you follow Jesus, surrender your situation to the Lord, and ask for his favor and his help upon your situation. What we see from Hannah is through her bitterness of soul, her anguish, her desperation. She went to the Lord and through a face full of tears, she surrendered her situation. 
Now, where are you taking your situation that feels hopeless and helpless today? Though she was lacking the blessing of a child, Hannah went to the one who would listen, the one who could bring her life meaning. She went to the Lord. She didn't complain to other people and get bitter about her situation and talk to everyone else. She talked to the Lord, and she found comfort in him. I love what we see from 1 Samuel 1.11. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look to your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give him a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever touch his head. Now, her prayer was to the one who was able, the Lord Almighty. How many times in our lives do we take our hopeless and helpless situation where we feel anguish and sorrow and we give it to everybody else except for the one who can do something about it, except to the Lord Almighty? We can learn from Hannah's situation here that that's exactly what we should do, to call out to the Lord and to take our situation to him. Her prayer came from a deep need. She described her situation, though God would surely know it, said, see your servant's misery and what? Remember me. Remember me. Her prayer was focused. She asked for a son. And all of us could take a lesson from Hannah's prayer life, couldn't we? You know, the reality is our children today, they face a barrage of toxic influences that, that invade their lives on every single angle. Social media, their friends in the school hallway, the conversations that they have that are beyond their years. We must face into the reality that our society is becoming less and less child-friendly every single day. So how do we respond to that? What actions do we take to protect our children from this immoral society? Well, we could live in isolation. We could live in a bubble try to protect our children from these influences all around them, but we know that that's not really going to work. And even if it was, Paul tells us that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So that's not going to work. We could ignore the problem. We could live as the ostrich and bury our face in the sand and say, oh, kids will be kids, and we, we sowed our wild oats as well, and our time will pass, and they'll get right with God, and they'll stop making these bad decisions. We could just ignore it. I don't think that's going to work for me either. The third thing is we could do what Hannah did and we could intercede for our children and also this generation of young people who are living in a world that, that fights against them following Jesus. So question, how much time do you spend praying for your kids? Think about that. As parents and people who support this generation of young people praying for our kids, for our grandkids, for our neighbors, for the children of Union Chapel, the children of our city, is something that we need to lean into and, and grasp our role to engage as the spiritual leaders among our family and our kids. We need to spend time in prayer for our kids and our families. Godly mothers will pray for their children. Godly fathers, aunts, uncles, grandmas, neighbors, friends, we will intercede and we will pray for those that we care about. In a society that is rapidly becoming more and more unsafe for our children, we must make it a priority to pray for them, to pray for God's favor, for his protection, for God's wisdom, that he would, he would go around their decisions. It's critical and we're called to intercede for our children. Let me ask you this. If you, as the parent, as the guardian of your sweet little ones, no matter if they're 
holy in your arms or they're 13 or 14, if you are not praying for them, who is? This is not something we can outsource to other people. Now, sure, it's great for grandma to be praying. It's great for our pastors and small group leaders to pray, and we do. But parents, we need to step up to our responsibility to pray for our kids and to pray that God would protect them, that God would shape them into what he wants. It's a non-negotiable if we want our kids to follow Jesus in a world that's so toxic around them, that pushes in every different direction. So not only did Hannah pray, but she also promised her child to the Lord. You'll see this is the second blank. A mother used by God promises her child to the Lord. Hannah makes this incredible promise to the Lord. She says, God, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. I love that. In other words, my son will be dedicated to your work. Now, this is way more than I'll just bring him along to Bible study or bring him along to the tabernacle when I go. She dedicates Samuel from birth. I mean, it says right after he was weaned, he was taken and, and surrendered over to the priest to learn and to grow. How amazing. He was dedicated to the work of God. Hannah was willing to do more than dedicate her son to the Lord. She was willing to place him in the Lord's service completely. Now, you heard that last portion about no razor will ever touch his head. Now, that comes from the Nazarite vow. And there would be certain restrictions upon uh, Samuel's life here. No razor would ever touch his head. He would refrain from strong wine. He would not be allowed to have any contact with dead bodies. And these are things that we're kind of disconnected from today. Um, but in the time, he would become ceremonial unclean. And this was serious business. It was very serious. And Hannah understood with the gift of God given to her, there was a responsibility to steward that gift, to to oversee that gift that God had given her. Parents, get this. Our children do not belong to us. Our children belong to the Lord. The more we grab a hold of that idea and let it play out in their lives and in our lives as parents, it will make a difference. And Hannah understood this principle, and that's exactly why she could make such a vow for her unborn son. So question for your parents, what do you want for your children? What do you want to see in their lives? Have you dedicated them to the Lord? Let me share just some practical ways that you can dedicate your children to the Lord. The first is help them secure their faith in Jesus Christ. Help them know Jesus. Don't stand in the way as a barrier for them to know Jesus. Model for them what it means to follow and love Jesus. And of course, perfect attendance is not required to follow Jesus, but demonstrating the ability to, to be in worship, to be in Bible study, to be connected to children's ministry, youth ministry, and be in a small group. Those things are all critical. As a youth pastor, I was amazed. I served in youth ministry here for 17 years before my role as Connections Pastor, and I was amazed at the parents who would wonder why their kids were not growing spiritually, but at any moment, any opportunity they had to not be in church or not be in youth group, they, they would take advantage of it. Um, they, they would do anything to get their kids to band or baseball or gymnastics or dance or soccer. No drive was too far. No day was off limits. No sacrifice of cost was ever a matter. Yet these same parents would come to me and say, why is my kid not growing spiritually? Well, friends, that begins in the home. 
And, and you are the spiritual champion for your kids. And we want to come around you and we want to help you do that. But, but we don't want you to outsource your kids' faith upon the shoulders of our staff. No matter how great our children's pastors and youth pastors are, we want to come alongside and help you to raise them in a way where they will put their faith in Jesus. But that begins at home. And we want to work together. So the second way we can dedicate our kids is find an area of service where you can work together as a family or where you can encourage their help. You know, I was so encouraged by all the families who were working together at Community Service Day yesterday. I saw kids with, with paint scrapers and paint rollers and brooms and rakes just getting after these projects with their families. How amazing. That's so awesome. And I know many of you do that on a regular basis. In fact, there's kind of a new phenomenon here at, at UC, and I want to make sure you know about it. Families are serving on the weekend together. Maybe you saw some of the young ones passing out chocolates at the door. There were parents helping with that. We've got parents who, who work with their kids, grandparents who work with their kids, ushering and greeting and even in the children's ministry in different areas. In your bulletin, there's a little half-sheet flyer. Will you just put your eyes on that for a minute, open that up and look at it real quick? Because for some of you right here in this moment, the thought just crossed your mind that maybe for one service, once a month, I could stand at a door and welcome people to church. And I could do that with my grandson or my granddaughter or I could do that with my 13-year-old son or, or even my 5-year-old son, that we could make a difference together. There are many opportunities here, and, and I want to give you the opportunity to serve with your family in this way. You can drop those off at the Welcome Center if, if that's something you feel inclined to do. We want you to be involved and be serving together, and, and I love it when we see families, children, and youth serving side by side. Such a great thing. So find an area of service where your children can participate in the church. The third way where you can dedicate your kids is this to challenge your children to live on mission for God. Now, this is powerful because I don't, I don't think every single child is called to be, uh, to be a full-time vocational pastor, but I believe we are called to live on mission. And I think it really does make a difference. You know, I, I can't help but wonder what conversations might happen at the, the lunch table, the dinner table, before bed tonight with families as parents and grandparents sit down with these young ones and say, you know what, you're called to live for God. I want to help you do that. Let's go serve our, our neighbor. Let's go sweep up that trash. Let's hold the door at church. Let's get involved in, in this way. I also can't help but wonder in the 13, 1,400 people that will hear this message over the weekend, what high school student might be sitting here and hear this and go, you know what, I think God's calling me to do something bold and brave I think I'm supposed to explore a call to take the gospel of Jesus to an unreached people group. And, and we are in the business of helping young people and helping people of all ages discover their calling and enlist and employ that out into the world. I don't know if you know this, but we're planting churches. And, and next week, you don't want to miss it. You're going to hear a great update on our church plant story. And I'll give you a little teaser. We've already seen people come to know Jesus, and it's been phenomenal. So that's just a teaser for next week. So definitely don't miss next uh, weekend service. It's going to be phenomenal. But I can't help but wonder what 8-year-old over in children's ministry right now 
through the way that you foster their spiritual development, partnered with the way that our children's ministry comes alongside them, and then our youth ministry and our young adult programs, I can't help but wonder what eight-year-old this weekend who's at Union Chapel is going to plant one of these churches in the next decade or two. How cool would that be? I think it's going to happen. And I think we have a great structure set up because parents are raising the bar and increasing the spiritual climate in their families with their own kids. And that is so awesome. So challenge your kids to live on mission for God. Fan into flame the gifts that God has in their life. Hannah understood the need for her child to be dedicated to the Lord. And that's exactly why she did what she did. That's exactly why she was able to make this great vow. Today, you can make the same vow when you realize that your children are a gift from God. Maybe you find yourself in the room today as a a grandparent or maybe just a friend, but you are are here with a family who has kids. It doesn't matter your, your title of who you are and how you're associated with young people in this generation. Invest in their lives. God is calling us to help secure their faith in Jesus to help them find a place in the church where they can serve and to realize that they need to live on mission out in our world and in our community. And I'm thankful for such a great church that will band together to do all of those things. We see in, from Hannah in 1 Samuel that she prayed for her child, she promised her child, and, and lastly, she provided for her child. A mother used by God provides for her child. Listen to the words from 1 Samuel 1, 20 to 22. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, how many of you know there was a party going on, okay? She conceived and was going to have a baby after all these years. When the man Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah didn't go. She did not go with him. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him to the Lord, and we will live there always. Now I want you to skip down to chapter 2, verse 19, because this one verse is really critical. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. So she made this robe, and she provided for him. So she was not only faithful in in her word, she also dedicated her child to the Lord, but she freely surrendered him to the Lord, but she also provided for him. Now, here's the thing. How quick are we to provide for our kids something that we get in a store where we swipe the credit card and it's done? That's easy, isn't it? For most of us, that's not the challenge. The challenge is providing for our kids an experience where they will uncover and explore Jesus and what it means to be a believer and to let those gifts be ignited in their hearts. So I don't believe that God's calling us to provide more stuff. I think he's calling us to provide more meaningful experiences that will last, more spiritual conversations and experiences that will make a difference in their life. Hannah did more than surrender her child to the Lord. She provided, and and every year she would bring a new robe to him. Every year when they they made their way up, and I think it was her way of saying, I care about you, I love you. Though distance separates us, I care about you, and I'm there. It's the text message that says uh, from from a family member to a son, hey, I'm with you. 
we're there. It's the note in the lunchbox that goes way beyond kindergarten. We are called to love and care and provide for our kids. And there is no doubt in my mind that God calls us to hold our kids in the palm of our hands. Now listen, this is fresh for me. 25 days fresh. It's the dad who holds his little girl for the first time and holds her near his heart, cares for her, provides for her. But I think we're supposed to hold our kids in the palm of our hands uh, throughout their whole lives because they're just passing through and we get just but a few moments, a few brief years to encourage them, to help them become the man or woman of God that we want them to become. I mean, just ask the mother who will hug her senior in high school in cap and gown before he walks across the stage in a few days here. You ask the father who is about to walk his his precious daughter down the aisle in that beautiful bride's dress. Ask him, did it go fast? God gives us these natural emotion-filled moments to remind us that, that kids are a blessing. And that they're only in our lives for a short time and we should not take that for granted. These are also reminders that our kids don't stay little. They don't stay within our walls and they don't even keep our last name forever. And it goes by quick. But how is God calling you to provide something that money can't buy for your family? Think about that. We are charged with the God-given task of providing a spiritual faith and experiences where young people can grab a hold of what God is up to in their lives and how they've been uniquely gifted and wired to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Remember, the greatest thing that you can provide for your kids does not come from a store and money can't buy it. But God has given you everything you need to be able to give them that gift of an experience with God and exploring what he's up to in their lives. Regardless of the age of our kids, we are charged with the task to do exactly what you heard Pastor Glenn ask these young families over here just a moment ago. Let me remind you of the covenant question. One of them is this. Will you live in such a way that your life demonstrates the gospel for these kids? Now, it's real easy for us as a crowd to say, yes, I will. I'm all in. Really? Will you live in such a way that Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is demonstrated for not just these kids, but those who are inside your walls at home or those in our church and in our community? Will you live in that way? That is the call. That's the charge to every single one of us on this Mother's Day 2017. We see it in the life of Hannah, and it applies to us today. Hannah prayed for her child. Hannah promised her child and she provided for her child. But I can only imagine the way that she would let her life demonstrate that amazing love. So how are you demonstrating the gospel to your kids and to this generation? Are you living in a way that makes every day count? Because it doesn't last forever and it goes by in a blink of an eye. I believe God's called us to a greater purpose. And let's rise up. Let's let's take advantage of it. Stand up with me and let's pray for just a moment. Jesus, thank you that you have called each and every one of us to a relationship with you. I pray today that we would draw near to you and receive the hope and strength that only you can provide. Help each one of us to live in such a way that our lives will demonstrate the gospel 
both to those inside our homes and in our office buildings, our schools, and all over our city and our world. I pray for the person now who's hearing this who wonders, how can my life demonstrate the gospel if I don't know Jesus? And that's a great question because it can't. And so I pray for that one person here this morning who needs to get right with you, God, who needs to open up their heart to Jesus and say, it's been a long time or I've never put my trust there, but Jesus, I need you. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I want to know you and so I can help these children and youth know you as well. Speak to us and thank you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to God in worship together.